broadcasting under the night sky from the edge of an undisclosed jungle on the Gulf of Mexico. I'm Christopher Garitano, your voice in the night. For the next hour, allow me to be your guide into the bizarre unknown, the fantastic macabre, and together we'll journey to that borderland between fiction and reality, a place beyond all rational explanation. We are now off to the witch. The recording that you just heard was of a tragic, controversial, and authentic exorcism performed in 1976 in West Germany at the home of a 20-year-old Annalise Michelle. Well before her tragic conclusion, Annalise was a vibrant and loving daughter who around the age of 16 not only began to suffer from seizures, but she also heard demonic voices and experienced what she described as dark forces visiting her at night. After a multitude of diagnoses that included depression and temporal lobe epilepsy, Anna's family desperately reached out to the Catholic Church to request an exorcism, which was eventually granted in over 67 harrowing sessions that ultimately on July 1st, 1976, resulted in her death. The priests were brought to trial, and they were convicted of negligent homicide. Annalise was severely malnourished and dehydrated. Was Annalise truly possessed? Is it possible that demonic forces like the ones that allegedly consumed Annalise's soul are visiting many others throughout the world and throughout history? Tonight's guest is someone who believes that forces similar to the ones that took over Annalise Michelle exist all around us. We'll hear her story after this commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. A full moon. A spooky, deserted mansion. Halloween night. All right, dudes. And it does. That's pretty. Ten kids. All they want to do is raise a little hell. Now, as long as they live, they'll wonder what's gotten into them. Night of the Demons. Be the sinners, for the day of atonement is at hand. Stop looking at me.
I'm your host, Christopher Garitano, and tonight's guest, Ashley Renee Killam, unlike Annalise Michelle, was fortunate enough to survive what she believes to be visitations from demonic forces on and off throughout her life. But the influences are similar and match many testimonies of encounters that have been documented throughout history. What you're about to hear is the voice and story of a woman who genuinely claims to have been visited by demons and is also finding ways to combat the problem. So here's my interview with Ashley Renee Killam. All right, yeah, well, I was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas, and, you know, grew up here all my life. Um, I know we did move to South Carolina for a short time when I was younger, and then California, where my younger sister was born, and then eventually ended up, you know, back here in San Antonio after that. But um, I think I've always been kind of open to these things. And I think that started with a near-death experience in the womb. My mom said that the cord was wrapped around my neck three times and my heart rate was going down. They had to, like, manipulate me inside of her and all this crazy stuff. And she said, you know, even in South Carolina, as young as, like, six months old, the faucets would turn on and off and cabinets would open and doors would open. and all that kind of stuff, but I don't remember my first experience until I was six years old when I saw an apparition of an Indian riding on his horse down the creek next to my grandma's old house. And I mean, at the time, I didn't really register that it was an apparition or a ghost or anything like that. I just thought it was cool, like, oh, an Indian riding his horse, you know? So it really just looked like a horse and a person? Yeah. Yeah. Like wow. an Indian, you know, with his gear on and everything. And and did he disappear or he just kind of, you saw him riding and you really didn't think much of it. You just thought it was a, a guy out there. Yeah. I just thought it was, I mean, he wasn't exactly, um, he was a kind of opaque and then he kind of disappeared out in the distance, but that was it. What point did the energies or your experiences in that world show you that there's another side to this, something much darker and, and disturbing? Um, probably around seven or eight years old when we moved into my parents' house. Both me and my sister have always seen like shadow people there and just experienced another side of it. And we've even found, I think it was because we were next to Indian you know, ground as well, we found arrowheads in our backyard and things like that so around that time um is when I kind of started noticing these shadow people and like a darker energy so take me back there you're you're kind of you know you're out out there outside you're finding arrowheads you're finding artifacts assuming this might be 
some sacred ground that your house is built upon. When take me to a night where you where you saw the shadow people. I've had a lot of people, you know, to say they've seen shadow people. And for the people that don't know, like take me to a moment where you see one of these things. Oh yeah, I was probably um I I was 17 years old and I was sleeping in my bedroom and I was in this dream and it was like something on top of me holding me down and I couldn't scream, I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything. And I like woke up trying to rip out of that and push it off me. And as I woke up, I kind of see something in the corner of my eye and it's just like hovering in between my ceiling and my floor. And I see its arms and its hands just like moving, its fingers moving. And then it attacked me again like that. And, and, you know, I was awake. I was conscious. I couldn't scream. I opened my mouth, but nothing was coming out. And I just felt this intense pressure like on my chest just holding me down. And after about 30 seconds, I kind of snapped out of it and I ran to my parents' room. But um, it took me a while to like sleep with the light off after that. Wow, of course. See, so you're a kid and this happens. And I, I do ask a lot of people this too, like, and I'm not saying this is a reflection of what you were watching, but I'm just curious, were you aware of these things in fiction at the time? So had you watched horror films or seen anything with similar type of apparitions? Because I did, and I, you know, I had an experience when I was a kid. Did you ever see oh, anything course, like that? Of course. Okay. I was always obsessed with the occult and, you know, movies about that kind of stuff. And I had even messed with a Ouija board at one point. And it was kind of a little bit after that when stuff started happening. And I realized like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, shouldn't mess mess with that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that actually happened shortly after that. Wow. And, you know, and again, like, I want to do a whole show on this because it's so interesting that you know, the major toy or game companies had mass produced this potential portal to really dark energy into every kid's home. You know, for a while they were very popular. I mean, I, they existed before they were mass produced, but do oh, you yeah. think- Oh yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, seeing them at Toys R Us and I was like, what? <laughs> they really have right. it out there, you know, for kids. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, they were, the shelves were stocked with them. Do you think that I'll get into what you know conspiracy a little bit later about it, but do you think that 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 had anything to do with allowing these things into your world? Oh yeah, because at the time, I mean, it's all just like divination tools, right? But you have to know how to open it, how to close it. You have to, you know, be protected and just know what you're doing before you get into that stuff. And at that time, I had no idea what I was doing, and I probably opened the portal and didn't know how to shut it. So I just think you have to know what you're doing when you're messing with that kind of thing. Sure. And it's safe to assume that most kids do not, you know, they, they get these things and they think it's a game. Do you think the people that mass produce the talking boards like Ouija, um, did they have any clue as to what they were putting in just about every home, you know, for kids? Oh, I, I feel like they did. I feel like there was an agenda behind that for sure. Yeah, you know, if you think about some of these conspiracies where people say, well, you know, the the powers that be, there's a lot of evil behind them and then they're conscious of it. You would think, okay, what a great way to get a a portal of dark energy in every home is to mass produce and market these things to kids. 
Oh, yeah. And, of course, they make them all, you know, different designs and things like that and cute little planchet boards and... Sure. I mean, I have, you know, I don't, I don't use it, but I have one that's just, you know, it's beautifully carved and it has, um, it has the death's head moth on it, you know, from Silence of the Lambs. It's, and that's what the planchette is formed as, but it's just on display. And Oh yeah. Yeah. I have one too. I haven't used it, but it's, it's an owl one. And of course, owl is like my spirit animal. So it's very beautiful too. And I have considered using it um, now, now that I know what I'm doing, but I just haven't, haven't done it yet. So have you, so you've heard the stories of, you know, even the original story that inspired the movie, the exorcist or the book actually first. And, um, you know, it, it started with a kid. He was playing with a, a Ouija board and, you know, at least that's what they say. And that's what allowed this dark spirit in to possess the body. And I know you've, you've had a lot of experiences now and we'll get, we'll get to it in detail, but when you were a kid, did you ever feel, uh, you know, the equivalent of what they call being possessed? Did you ever feel taken over by something dark? Yes. At that time, when I, after I had that dream, it, there were multiple occurrences where I just didn't know what I, what I was doing, like the lost time almost. Um, and it was small occurrences and they've kind of happened recently too, but I don't really relate them to that anymore. And I think it kind of encompasses like all things supernatural, you know, paranormal, alien even. So there could be different explanations, but definitely periods of time where I wasn't aware or I wasn't conscious, you know, it was kind of like I was on autopilot, but my soul wasn't there. And you feel maybe you were in, you know, like a dark frame of mind behaving differently. You know, we've read these stories like, um, you know, and some of which became very popular movies after they were written as books, like a haunting in Connecticut and things like that. It's like, you know, you have this dark, what they call demonic energy, um, that possesses usually a young person, someone around between the ages of 12 and 16, usually. Um, do you believe those stories had a major, the, the, the influence in terms of the way things turned out and how these people behave? Do you think that was a demonic influence? Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. There are those dark energies out there, no doubt. I've experienced them firsthand. Um, I think it just depends how, how open you are and what, what you mess around with too. So, and also there's oppression, not even, you know, there's possession and then there's oppression where it doesn't really have a hold on you or control over you, but it definitely has an influence over you. Like, you know, intrusive thoughts. I remember when I was fighting my own demons and had constant intrusive thoughts and it was, you know, just a battle within my own mind where I was arguing with myself, like, these aren't your thoughts, these aren't your feelings. And they would turn really dark, you know, like suicidal ideations and really ugly things like that. But I kind of had to dig myself out of that and literally fight my demon. And you sound, and you sound like since you've been able to, you know, recognize it and work through this and we'll get to that. 
um, that you're doing, you know, you sound very clear, you sound calm. Whereas a lot of people, I think, you know, they're experiencing these things and maybe they're not right away considering this is something otherworldly or other dimension or that, that maybe they think they're, they're crazy. And, you know, what, what would you say to that? Like, I know obviously ins- insanity does exist. There are brain, there's brain damage and there are, you know, imbalances in the body, but, and this is just from your perspective, you know, I'm not asking for some kind of clinical diagnosis of the world. It's just, do you think a lot of the time that people are going through something, it's um, misrepresented and maybe it is something, these these dark energies are affecting somebody and they get misdiagnosed as being insane? Oh, definitely. I think majority of the mental health spectrum, it does have to do with something spiritual because if you think about it, we, most of us have this veil, you know, where we only experience this this dimension, this reality going on when realistically there's a lot of realities going on simultaneously and they might not might not have that veil to differentiate which one is happening right now so it kind of gets you know jumbled together and just like anything else I mean energy is energy there's light there's dark you know and the whole human experience is kind of based on that duality and that polarity and getting to experience all sides of it so I kind of think that's where the demonic forces come from too, is just maybe a lower dimension or, you know, just that dark energy. And I think when you're going through a dark night of the soul like that, or, you know, some kind of spiritual, spiritually transformative experience, it does feel like you're losing your mind because you don't know what's real. I mean, everything you thought was real kind of crumbles, right? And you just have to start over and kind of relearn everything and what you thought was real really isn't. So it can be very, it can be a rude awakening. So take me to the moments before an awakening where it's at its most intense before you discover that there's a way to deal with it. Because I want to go through the timeline and for people, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's it can help people and that's what you do. And we'll get to that too. Um, that are going through something to hear a similar story to theirs. So you know, you were a teen, I'm sure it affected you then. Did it amp up before you were able to discover there was a way to deal with it? And and what was that time period, if you can take me back, if you're comfortable with it? Yeah, so it was about 10 years in between that. Um, it was right after I had had my second daughter. And I think the catalyst for the whole, you know, my whole awakening experience was me having to bring her back to life. Cause the night we got home from the hospital, I found her unresponsive and I had to give her CPR and bring her back. And then from that day forward, it was like a series of synchronistic events. I had this, you know, encounter with an owl and that kind of led me to discover, you know, my, my hybrid origin and me being from Andromeda. And that led me down, you know, to finding a hypnotherapist or actually she found me. I think I had posted my story on the MUFON network for San Antonio and she found me through that and offered me a a hypnosis session. And I actually got to go there and experience my, myself and my body over there in Andromeda and just what life is like over there. And then 
it was like a telepathic this this telepathic conversation that this stranger had with me about like my life and telling me you know why I've been through everything I've been through and that my awakening is going to happen that night and it was like something different happening over like 10 days it was a 10 day span and then the last day was the day that that conversation happened and it was like you know we were having a conversation in in our heads but having a whole nother conversation verbally and it was it was very uh, that was the first time that it happened to me and so I go home and I'm like telling I'm telling my mom about it she calls her best friend from high school who's a shaman she's a medicine woman and she's actually has been my mentor since that day but um she comes over and we're having a conversation outside and I just like gasped. I was like, <gasps> and I felt my soul leave my body. And she was like, your soul just left your body. You need to call it back. And I was like, well, how do I do that? You know? And she just, it was like inception focus on something here in this dimension. But I just, I couldn't do it. And as I'm like traveling in these different dimensions, I'm seeing or like living out these scenarios of death. How my daughters die, my sister, my mom, my grandma, how I died in all my past lives and how I was meant to die multiple times in this lifetime. And Jen told me not to tell my mom what I had seen because she wasn't going to understand it. But I don't know. I just was kind of freaking out about it. And I ended up telling her a little bit about what I saw. And she ended up having me um, committed against my will. And that's when I started going down this like dark tunnel of me almost believing that I had lost my mind because I didn't understand what was happening to me because people don't talk about, you know, going through an awakening or spiritually transformative experiences or anything like that, at least not here on the Western side of the world. Well, they, I mean, they were here. What are, Do you have any native roots? Because it seems like you're really connected. That seems to me, it sounds like I do. You know, yeah. classic vision quest, which is something that was a rite of passage and that has been kind of done away with or recreational, you know, drug use, psychedelic use is kind of goofy at times because people are just getting high and they're, you know, look at the Oh, right. And that's color. exactly what the doctors at this mental hospital thought. They thought I had done drugs or some shrooms or something. And it happened to me completely sober. And what was weird, they couldn't diagnose me with any psychotic episode because I remembered every single detail. And there was like, well, if they, you did have a psychotic episode, you wouldn't remember. So they couldn't diagnose me with anything. And eventually they had to release me, you know, without a diagnosis. I wonder, you know, and I don't, and I don't know, are there any modern psychiatrists that are, that may use psychedelic medicine to have vision quests or are open to those type of ideas of expanding the mind and other dimensions and I'm sure there is, um, because it's it seems so narrow to kind of close yourself off to the possibilities and then just label somebody crazy. Crazy is, I think, to to me, you know, and I'm not a doctor, but someone who just can't control an impulse that damages themselves and other people. And in your case, you were having visions, and it wasn't it wasn't to the point where it impairs you, meaning like you can't shut it off. To me, that's what a brain disorder is. It's just like you can't shut it off without medication. And in your case, you were having something very different happen, correct? Right. Yeah. 
And even, I mean, even after that, like they require you to go see a psychiatrist just to make sure, you know, you're okay and you can go back out, you know, into civilization, right? You're of sound mind. So I'm like battling myself as I'm on my way to see the psychiatrist. Like, I'm not going to tell them the whole story of owls and aliens and demons and all this, you know, and something in my head told me just tell the truth. So I was like, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to tell him. So I get in there and I tell him the entire story and he kind of looks at me for a second and his jaw is dropped and he's like, let me go get my supervising doctor. So I automatically I'm like, oh shit, they're going to send me back to the loony bin, you know? And this older white guy comes in with glasses and white hair and he sits down and he tells me he wants me to repeat my story. So I do. And He tells me, first of all, I don't think you're crazy, but nobody in this building or any psychiatrist is going to be able to help you. You need to find, you know, a shaman or something like that. And so that was the kind of the first confirmation for me that an actual psychiatrist told me that I wasn't crazy and what I was experiencing was real. And he didn't even make me a follow-up appointment. It was just, you know, that was it. Sure, because he understood that he understood the possibilities and that your mind was open to a different way of thinking as opposed to condemning you for it and just giving a label to this and then shoving drugs into you. He said, well, there's a way to deal with this. Why not just send it to a shaman, someone who understands this way of thinking? And not only that, but I had proof, you know, I had like pictures of things that had come up and different articles and, you know, I still have it to this day. And I've always been very good about documenting my spiritual experiences, because I feel like without that, you know, you just kind of sound crazy and you need that evidence and you need to keep track of it and definitely journal it so you can go back and like put pieces of the puzzle together. Because when you get a lot of information coming in like that, sometimes you don't process it all right away. In in short, like what are we? Why are we here? And why is it that we're having these encounters? Right. Well, I think our whole purpose here is to experience, you know, the universe. It's like the universe experiencing itself because we're all one. You know, we're all connected. We're all, we all come from the same source and we're all creating our own universes and our own experiences, you know, because it's all, it's all relative to each of our perspectives. Right. So I think we're going to experience the dark with the light, you know, the good with the bad, demonic, angelic, evil, good, you know, whatever name you want to give it, it's all, it's all the same thing. And the more I feel like we each go through like individual dark night of the souls, right? Where we're battling our own demons. And I think the more we, we resist that and the more we fight it and kind of suppress it and don't deal with it, the more it's going to manifest. And sometimes that can mean physically. And I think that's kind of what's going on right now with this whole, I mean, there's a major shift going on for the collective consciousness. And I think everybody is feeling it, whether they were awake or aware before any of this started happening. It was like 2020 kind of jump started that for everybody because it was like, all right, Y'all don't want to deal with y'all's traumas and the pain and everything that we've experienced, which is kind of, you know, the purpose to learn from it in 2020, you know, with 
quarantine and everything kind of forced everyone to sit with it and deal with it. And then it's just been kind of snowballing since then. And I think now it's coming up even more because it's like we're coming to a crossroads, you know. And even this demonologist that I just contacted the other day about the most recent demon that I've been fighting, um, she even said, you know, it's been it's been really mind blowing for her because she used to get these calls few and far between. And now it's like a new call every single day. So it's happening to everybody all over the planet. And it's not just selective, you know. But looking, you know, looking back in historical documents, religious tomes, even fiction, you know, these things have been written about for millennia, you know, I mean, way oh, back. Oh, right. It's like cycles. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And what you had just mentioned that we're going through this incredible change, are there other times in history that that particular point had been hit where there was this major change? Are there any like particular times in history that we can refer back to where a change like this had happened, or is this very unique to now? This is very unique to now. And where do you think this it's going? Like the, I mean, they call this, you know, the great awakening and the greatest shift of consciousness for humanity in the history of humanity. Now, I know it goes in cycles like that, but, you know, who knows? Who knows, really? They've been talking about this shift in this transcendence from 3D to 5D, um, for a long time now, and nobody really knows what that means or what that looks like. We know that there are shifts definitely happening and, you know, we're jumping timelines, but I mean, in the end, we're all just kind of like riding this wave together. Sure. And going back for a minute. So you had this regression, this hypnosis yeah. right. and it within there, you saw visions that you had you were born, or not born, but obviously physically born here, but that your past life or your real existence was in some other galaxy, you know, outside of this one. Oh, it wasn't a past life. It was an alternate life that's going okay. on right now over there. Yeah. Just for people that like, because I understand what you're referring to. I want to frame it out for people who have first heard anything like this. If you were to do that, let's say you were the teacher bringing someone through the regression that, and they were experiencing something unique like you were, can you take me through it and kind of tell me what, what happens and how you come to that realization? Well, it was, it was like a series of just synchronistic events that led me to the belief that I am a hybrid being and always have been, you know, like even doctors have told me I was an alien before and, <laughs> you know, I would just laugh it off. And then I've had multiple experiences with owls, but I never really, it scared me because, you know, I'm Mexican and in the Mexican tradition is like La Chusa, you know, like that's dark, you don't mess with owls and things like that. But um, I think there was a, a very deeper meaning than that because right after you know I had that ex encounter with an owl I was talking to my cousin she was like well what if it has to do with aliens because you know the fourth kind and the correlation and I was like no like you're crazy don't even what and as soon as we're talking about that this picture pops up on my timeline on Facebook and it's like an owl, but the face of an owl and with, you know, eyes all around its face. And then in the middle, there's 
this kind of man with wings, angel wings, and then horns. And turns out it's the Hopi Indian medicine man, which I didn't know at that time. And then to the left of him, there's a tree and there's two aliens beside the tree. And one of the aliens is holding a jar of a baby, which was super significant because I had just had my second daughter. And then hanging in the tree a little further up, there's a jar of an older child. And I, you know, my, my older, oldest daughter. And then a little further up in the tree, there's a jar of a woman with light emanating around her. So I was like, why, why is this talking about my life? And so that led me to Google owls and aliens. And this first article that pops up is called, um, it's by this author, Michael Cleland. He's the author of this book called The Messengers. And it has to do with owls and aliens and um, everything with that. And he's writing this book called Time is Art. And it's all about like synchronicity, sacred geometry, numerology, the Fibonacci sequence, you know, like all, all the connections of the universe, the quantum entanglement theory. And as I'm reading it, um, he's describing this graffiti wall art mural that they went to in California. And this one mural in particular that totally encaptivated him because he knew it meant something big. And as he's describing it, he's describing the same picture that even led me to go and Google owls and aliens in the first place. And I was like, there's no way. If this same picture pops up right now, my mind is just going to be blown, you know? And sure as shit, I scroll down and it's the same exact picture, but a different depiction. So instead of the owl, it's like three ancient Egyptian beings representing um, like three things, wisdom, life, spirituality, something like that. And then in the middle, instead of the Hopi Indian medicine man, it's an alien, it's Jesus, and then an alien human hybrid being right next to him. And then there's the tree again, but instead of the aliens around the tree, it's just three light beings and an owl in the tree, like guarding over them, you know? And so, yeah, I got in contact with him, posted this story on the MUFON network, and that's how the hypnotherapist found me and offered to do a free um, session with me to just kind of help ease my mind because I didn't really understand all the knowledge that was coming in because, you know, everyone is like, aliens aren't real. Um, you know, and then I grew up Catholic. So it was, it all felt very, um, just surreal to me. So I was like, I agreed to it. And so you must've come up against a great opposition, you know, in terms of people around you, relatives, friends, coworkers, like when you, Oh, everybody. Talk- okay. Can you tell everybody, me a little bit about yeah. that? Well, I mean, so my first encounter with that was my mom having me, you know, committed against my will, my whole family thinking I was crazy. Um, I lost my job because they just, they didn't want me to talk about it. And one of my managers had told the owner of the salon that I was at that it was, you know, I was practicing like devil worship and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the ignorance, you know, was just astounding because yeah, of course once you like delve into the spirituality, you're going to experience both the light and the dark. Like when you open yourself up to these different energies and frequencies, it just comes with the territory, you know, but it's not something that scares me. You know, I've, I fought it before and light always wins. Like love, love always wins no matter what. So 
as long as you go into it with that mentality. Did it ever scare you? Did it get to the point where it got really severe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And again, I, I'm not trying to take you back there to trigger anything. What I'm trying to do is get the full spectrum of the feelings and the experience, because we're going to go into the light and how you deal with it, how you fight it, recognize it now, because you seem really good about all of this. And I don't want to say comfortable, but at least able to deal with it at the very least. Whereas there was a time where it was it was really bad. Is it okay to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, definitely. So kind of right around that time, right after I went through my whole awakening experience is when I experienced the first time I was in my bedroom and I was asleep, but I had like come out of my body and I was in the top corner of my room and I saw this dark entity come out of my closet and just kind of hovering over my body and then I saw it reach its arm, like in the middle of my back, like almost kind of grabbing for my soul, you know, and I felt this like surge, but my soul felt the surge up in the corner as I'm watching my body and watching all of this go down. And then I see this ball of light come in from my bedroom door and it's like fighting this thing over my, over my soul pretty much. And something told me just to go, um, go back into my body. So I did. And I was surging all my light into where I felt this thing's arm in me. And I just kept repeating like light always wins, light always wins. And I kept saying, telling it to go away. You know, it wasn't welcome here. It needed to go away. And I felt like I was fighting it for a a solid three minutes before it finally felt defeated and felt like it needed to leave. But that kept it kept coming back in my dreams and just attacking me in different ways and almost using like my own traumas and my own fears against me until finally I had I had had enough and I learned about different tools that I needed and you know circled my property with black salt and holy water and it it didn't happen again after that so I feel like if you're scared of it, it's going to feed off of that fear and keep using it against you. You have to build that strength to fight back and to resist it and to know how weak it is because it is weak. So all of the, and I, and I have this conversation a lot and it's astonishing because a lot of the things that were written in fiction and, you know, very old tomes of religion and, and uh, mythology are kind of real. I mean, like, you know, most of the science fiction I grew up reading, horror films, a lot of them, you know, a lot of it's just very real. Do you, so we're in a lot of these legends, in other words, like some of the vampire legends, you know, let's take a movie like a, a fun movie like Fright Night, where they're, you know, they're basically saying you have to have faith for the crucifix to work against the demon, against the vampire. Um, right, right. I always saw that as like an extension of yourself of your own power because the oracle or the thing you're holding is a catalyst, in other words. So whereas you right. had this mantra you were saying, yeah. sure, so light always wins is was your crucifix. It's something you believed in, that it, that it would help your energy deflect whatever these kind of otherworldly parasites, aka demons are. I'm trying to like get oh, it to Oh, that's what I call them. Yeah, exactly okay. what I call them, parasites. So they're parasitic energies. I've always felt that way too. I feel like, you know, you like um, the author H.P. Lovecraft wrote about stuff like that a long time ago. And I have a feeling that he understood that these things existed 
you know, since the dawn of time, since before that, I think they were always here. Do you think these energies, these kind of de- what they call demons or demonic energies are also connected to extraterrestrials uh, in, in the same realm or are they completely different? I think it gets confused for extraterrestrial sometimes because a lot of people think about extraterrestrial and they think, you know, it's something negative. You're going to get abducted. You're going to get probed. You know, they kind of um, like, even if you watch the fourth kind it make, it gives it a really dark demonic feeling, you know, almost like a possessed feeling. And I mean, I think with anything, like I said, there's light and dark, right? I think there's good humans, bad humans, demonic energies, angelic energies, good aliens, bad aliens. I think as long as we're here in the third dimension, we're going to experience both sides of the coin. seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons, sit near an exit. Otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals, and the cities will be your tombs. Will you survive it? Demons. found experiences like it seems like a constant for them and then there are other people that never have anything in my case you know i've i've experienced a few things and probably um you know probably more subtle at times too that where you almost don't even notice what's happening for instance and i've brought up this story before there was a new couple that moved into a house and I think this was this story, you know, allegedly a true story was depicted on, you know, an old school episode of Unsolved Mysteries. And so, you know, they're a young couple. They've got their first apartment or house together. They're renting the house. 
and they get in there and everything's fine in their relationship. And then slowly but surely, they're having these really horrible fights, like at each other's throats constantly, which wasn't the norm for them. And so I remember in the recreations, ultimately, the husband is like, wait a second, stop. And he stops the fight in the middle of this vicious fight that could have really gotten violent. And he's like, there's something in this house. There's something wrong. Can't you feel it? And so allegedly, they got out of the house and then it stopped. Do you think the energies depicted in that story, and I, I believe they're very real, um, are what you've experienced, very similar energies? Oh, yeah. The most recent one, for sure. I think it, it definitely could have something to do with either the house or the land. All right. Take, take me to what you've been experiencing, and maybe we could just analyze it a little bit, and you can tell me what you think is going on and, and what might have sparked it. But um, So you've gone through your whole life on and off dealing with stuff like this, because you obviously are a receptor, you know, like you can, you can feel things, and you're sensitive to these energies. You can see them more than most people. They're probably affecting everyone, but then there are people like yourself who you can see it. You can see it, feel it, hear it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've never been more aware of that than I was over this past weekend, let me tell you, because it is just, I mean, I feel like it's been amping up, you know, and I feel like I've had this anxious feeling like, okay, I know spiritual warfare is going on right now, you know, like the battle between light and dark and we're tipping the scales, right? Seeing which way we're going to lean, Um feel like it's leaning more to the to the light for sure but I feel like the dark is putting up a good fight right now and that's kind of what's going on is like this whole collective dark night of the soul but so it all started um probably a few weeks ago I mean stuff has been kind of happening here at my house um doors opening things like that even at my clinic, you know, things going off, people experiencing things, lights going on and off. Um, this one, my one coworker ha- heard a baby crying like out in the back and there's nothing out there. It's just a field full of trees and stuff. So there's, there's no way it was a baby. And um, a few weeks ago, me and my friend were laying in bed and we we were just, our eyes were closed. We're meditating and I hear something like messing with the gate at the bottom of the stairs and walk upstairs, walk around the balcony into my room, open my door and kind of shuffle at the foot of my bed. And I felt, I felt like it was something, but I just kind of played it off. You know, I was in a meditative state and I was like, whatever, it's just a dog, you know, and just kind of played off that gut intuition that I had that it wasn't. And after a while, we we get up and I'm walking her downstairs to leave and the gate's still shut. And I just looked at her and was like, that wasn't a dog because you have to like open the latch, kind of pull up the gate and then pull it open. You can't just push it open like the dogs would do because the stairs are blocking it. And so both of us got a chill like over our bodies. And she was like, all right, time to go. So she left and nothing else happened that night, but I just had this like eerie feeling like I was being watched. And then a few weeks after that, she was supposed to spend the night and everything was fine. We were watching a movie and then 
all of a sudden I just feel this shift in the room. And then she gets up and goes to the bathroom and comes back and is like, I have to leave. And I asked her what had happened and I kind of stopped her at the door before she walked out. And she just looks at me and I noticed like her face just changed. Her eyes were, were black and she was just kind of looking at me with this face of disgust. And I even touched her and her whole body got chills. I felt her, her body crawl, her skin crawl with goosebumps. And she like lifted her head up and just rolled her eyes back. And in my mind, I didn't think that that was anything dark. I just thought she was kind of annoyed at the time that I didn't want to let her leave. But I just had got that same feeling in my gut, you know, just like that ugly. You can tell when something's negative, when something's not right. Did she ever experience anything like you had before? Oh, yeah. She's been dealing with this for her whole life. Pretty much. So you're both connecting on that same level then. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's my she's my twin flame. So and we just found that out not too long ago, actually, a couple months ago. And I knew like basically I'm the light half, she's the dark half. I'm the yin, she's the yang. So I knew there was always she was more of the darkness, but I didn't expect for for there to be that presence, you know. So I think we're kind of working, working through that and working through her own demons right now. But I didn't put that together that night that that happened. So anyway, she ends up leaving and nothing really had happened for a couple weeks after that until this last week. Um, well, I guess things have been happening with her mom. So her mom has been dealing with seizures for 10 plus years. She was also just diagnosed with breast cancer last year. And apparently it's, they feel like it's her, her dad, like her dad is the negative energy. Right. And there's been confirmation from multiple other people, multiple psychic mediums. She's been to a witch doctor in Mexico that told her that she needed an exorcism. And also that they've been told by multiple people that there is money buried in or around that house under it somewhere, you know? And they got that house from her dad's brother-in-law, who's also into sketchy stuff. And they just don't know what he's capable of. But her dad also has this altar that's kind of locked up in a shed. And they don't know what he does out there. He's, he's not comfortable with anybody going out there. It's just really weird, you know? So you're um, so, okay. So yeah, I'm just I'm going to get a handle on her history a little bit too. So there are there are people that may have dabbled in and what you're kind of suggesting is that maybe there's people around her that may have practiced black magic or something that may have let some of these energies in because does she it's have a, a similar history to yeah. your own? Is, yes. So her growing up is similar she had experiences, she may have seen shadow people uh, what we call ghosts, you know, because obviously it's such a broad term now. We don't know what we're seeing. Just and, the supernatural. Uh, yeah. She's been open to that her whole life too and sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you, and if you don't mind me asking, did you meet on any kind of um, uh, common level, like a convention or, or where people go to kind of meet alike souls in that, in that realm, you know, other people that have experienced things. Did you meet in that sense? No, we work together, but a lot of the people that we work with, like 
my boss, who's also my best friend, she's very awake and aware. Um, a lot of people in that clinic are. So we're kind of with, you know, like-minded individuals. Right. And what I'm getting at is like, I wonder if a lot of people who are receptive when they get together, is it creating more of a power? Do you all see things collectively together? Um, yeah, it's amplified. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so have have you gotten together with other people like yourself and like her and have gone to locations that have had demonic activity and, and together and like, is there a lot of activity? Is there activity that's experienced by other people that might not be as receptive, but that are with you when you go? Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm part of um, a paranormal investigation team here in San Antonio called Gold Gals Paranormal. And we hosted um, a Paracon out in Cloudcroft, New Mexico at this particular bar called the Western Bar. And we were with multiple other teams and we were kind of taking turns investigating that location and another location. And this team of guys, um, this one guy like in particular was kind of skeptical, but they... um, they ended up calling us halfway through the investigation, maybe an hour into it. And they were like, one of the guys got possessed. We don't know what's going on. We need to form this circle of light right now. So we had to go over there, surround this guy. We were circling, saying prayers, chanting. And finally this thing left this guy, but he was like cursing the owner out, cursing everybody out, just like really ugly. And his voice changed and everything. And that was kind of my first experience with seeing someone kind of taken over like that face to face, you know, but, um, yeah. And then it was messing with everybody's cars. We were driving, it was up this mountain. So after that, we were driving back down the mountain and it was our Jeep, our van died three times. One of the other guys trucks died. This, um, other couple, their key fob wasn't working for their Jeep and they had to get it towed. And when it got to the dealership, they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. And it even followed us back home after that. And it was attacking us in our dreams, um, in our day-to-day life, and we had to fight it here. So that was kind of my first demon fighting experience. It's so tough to kind of get a definition on all of this, you know, because like, it's like we understand it and we've seen it depicted in story is it is it very similar to the way it's been written in fiction and then the horror films we've watched? Like, I know it's a little, like it's over the top in a lot of those movies because they have to like, they have to um, illustrate it for you. But is it? I've read stories it too is, that are pretty close. It is close. very similar. Yeah. Okay. Would you say there's one movie that you could compare the real thing to? I don't know. It kind of varies. I mean, it's not as dramatic I or at least I haven't had that experience of seeing you know bodies contorting and things like that I did um see her stomach moving pretty abnormally when I when I went and did that Thursday night which I know we haven't gotten into that really in depth yet but all right take me take me back to the experiences you've been having recently because again it's it's kind of like coming full circle into this time that you know is very unique when did these recent encounters with demons start? So it really started um, 
after like the door opening, you know, and the dog that wasn't the dog and then her leaving that night. And then last Thursday, you had contacted me actually, funny enough, and you know, asked me to do this show. And then, um, I know I wanted to go listen to it. Some episodes in the first episode snippet that I listened to was the one titled bad ground. And this Reiki master is talking about her experience with this lady with the attachment and, you know, the black eyes. And it just sounded like so eerily similar to, to what I had been experiencing and, you know, the whole exorcism thing and, people telling her mom she had needed an exorcism and then you had sent me a list of the episodes of the show that we did you know a few years ago strange world and the title of the episode that I was on was called demon time so it was all just like very a little too significant to not mean anything so I just felt like I had to go to her house and cleanse her and so I told her, I was like, I'm going to pack up my bag. I'm going to get some charcoal discs so I can burn the skull ball because that's like top tier cleansing, you know, negative energy. So I went over there with a mission and no joke on my way to her house, you know, we're talking on the phone and I just start smelling like the smell of death, decaying flesh. And at first it didn't click, but um, I thought I just passed, you know, a dead body or something, a dead animal. And it just stayed with me the entire time. And I, it just made me think of that snippet that I listened to and how she said after she got that thing out of that lady, it came out of the bathroom past her and she smelled death. And so I, in my mind, I was like, okay, it's this thing like trying to just scare me trying to deter me from going over there. But I wasn't about to let that happen. So as soon as I get to her house, I walk in the door and I just feel this like immense heaviness and we get up to her room and, she had told her mom what I was going there to do. And her mom was like, well, just don't do the whole house. Like she was kind of mocking her and laughing and saying, why are you doing this? You know, we don't have anything like that. She doesn't need to cleanse the house. Even though her mom is very well aware of what has been transpiring over the past decade, you know, decade plus, I don't even know how many years they've been dealing with this energy. So we get up to her room and I just tell her, um, I really feel like I need to burn this copal and cleanse you and at least, you know, in here. And she said, okay, just in my room. So I light the charcoal disc and I put the copal and I have my owl feather fan and I'm, you know, I'm at her feet and I'm working my way up and I get to her stomach and I'm fanning it and I just see her stomach start like moving in and out, kind of just like this abnormal movement. And I even tell her something about it that I noticed it and she didn't say anything. And then I get up to her eyes and I just see her entire face shift and her eyes go black and she just kind of smirks at me. And I felt the energy shift and I felt it in my gut. And I'm, I'm just saying, be gone, be gone, be gone as I'm fanning her in the face. And a few seconds later, she shifts back and then she touches her face. And I, I said, it smirked at, at me. Did you feel it? And she said, yeah. And it was just, we both still felt it in the room. And then after that, she went and, you know, showed me the altar. And it was just all very, um, very surreal for her. Because that was the first time, I think, that she she realized like I saw it. 
because she she doesn't remember some things when she shifts. So when I told her after that, um, and when you say she shifts, she like what what exactly happens? Like her face will will change and her eyes will turn black, and then she just kind of her voice change, her tone her tone of voice changes. So do you think that at that moment she's possessed? I don't think possessed. I mean, she has mentioned occurrences of her feeling like she's not in control of her body. I don't think it's to the point of possession, maybe with her mom because of the seizures and and everything like that and her not being able to get a diagnosis. Um, Up until recently, and the only thing they, they said it was was absent seizures, but obviously it's been way more. It's way more than just that, you know? But I definitely think it's a case of oppression because, you know, she's not dealing with it not, she kind of feels like that it's her responsibility to take that on when really it's not, but she knows that. And so you're at a point where you're, you're experiencing this, this kind of demonic invasion, all right, with someone you're very close to and they, and you both perceive it the same way you feel 100% that these are otherworldly energies that are kind of invading your lives or they're all around us and you both are very receptive to it so you're experiencing it even more so or more profoundly i guess my next question is like how how do you ultimately deal with it because this is kind of a new experience that you just not not that you haven't gone through these things before cuz you have but you're going through this a lot lately. Where is it going from here? I mean, I think it's all a learning experience, right? Just like everything, everything we go through. But um, it's I've been learning how to deal with it as I'm dealing with it and trying to understand it. So after that, um, the next night, Friday night, we have this team bonding event for our company. And we go to the rage room and it's where you like, you know, just go break, break shit, right? You can like take your own stuff to break and whatnot. And we get there and the first thing that we break, we, we hit my, I felt my hematite ring break and she checked hers because we both have the same ring and it both broke at the same time. And we just kind of looked at each other and then Brittany looked at us too, because she kind of knows what's been going on as well. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, what was that? And we said something about releasing negativity. And she was like, yeah, if that's what you want to call it. And then we walk outside and we notice this, like, demon face graffitied on the wall next to where I parked. And I was like, oh, okay, like, this thing is taunting us at this point, you know? And just being a nuisance, really. So that was Friday night. And then Saturday night... And she wanted to go out to the bar with her friends. And I already kind of felt like it wasn't a good idea to go just, you know, with alcohol. I know that tends to, like, make you more susceptible to things, especially if you're already sensitive. And so I kind of felt like something was going to happen. And also our friend from work was going with us. And she had, she was informed about what was going on because I had missed work the next day because I was exhausted from you know everything that happened Thursday night because I literally felt like I had I had almost you know kind of performed this exorcism but I didn't put hands on her or anything like that it just felt eerie similar to that experience that I heard 
But um, anyway, so I wanted to go just in case anything happened. I didn't want to leave, you know, my twin flame by herself. And I didn't want to leave my friend from work by herself if anything happened. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to go. And of course, the first bar we go to, there's the sign and the, the devil face and the sign. So I already immediately expected something to go down that night. Nothing happened at that bar. And then at the second bar we get to, I'm just like hyper aware at this point, right? I'm looking around, looking for signs, looking for symbols. And I see this demon baby like drawn on the chalkboard. And then on the wall, I see this tapestry and it's of this Mexican mariachi playing the guitar. And his hand just has like these kind of claws and it's very scaly looking. Um, and his eyes are super dark and He's kind of like in the cemetery setting with candles all around and a cross and there's a table in front of him and on the table there's a keychain with a chicken foot with which you know is always associated with kind of black magic kind of stuff so uh felt like you know we're getting closer and then we get to this third bar and for some reason I had to go back to the car to take um my purse back and I told her to stay with her friends and she was like no it's okay I'll go with you and halfway as we're walking back, I feel her shift and I didn't even need to look at her, but we get into the car and she looks at me and I noticed that she was breathing heavy. And I said, I said it to her, I was like, you're breathing heavy. And she was like, yeah, I know. And I said, is that what happens when you shift? And she said, yeah. Can you feel me? And I said, yeah. And she said, are you scared? But like in a very intimidating kind of creepy, calm voice like that, you know, and her eyes were black again. And I said, no, I'm not scared. But kind of deep down, I was like, I just, you know, I had that feeling again. And then she didn't really say anything. And we're just kind of there. She's staring at me, but not blinking. And I do want to look away because I was like, no, I'm not going to let this thing know that I'm intimidated. You know, I'm not going to feed feed it the fear that it wants. And then right then my, you know, our friend calls us and is like, where y'all at? So she kind of snaps us out of it. And then as we're walking back to the bar, she's standing behind me and kind of walking close to me. And I just said, I'm just trying to decipher you. And she said, well, good luck. And we get back to the bar and I'm kind of standing back away from her and the group. And I was like, none of them even know, like none of them noticed that she isn't her right now until one of her friends from the group said, dude, you look kind of creepy. You look like the bride of Chucky. And <sighs> she just did that thing again where she rolled, like she lifted her head back and rolled her eyes back and was just laughing, but like a creepy kind of laugh. And I was just like, so bewildered that none of them could see it except for me and, and our friend, she kind of noticed the change too. And she, went outside. She was like, I have to go out. I need to take a breath. So we went outside, outside of the bar and we're talking and, you know, kind of talking about the whole situation. Cause she had always said she doesn't really believe in this kind of thing. And I told her, I was like, yeah, you may not believe it, but just don't mock it, you know, because then it's going to show you that it's real. And she's more open than she is aware of or that she wants to be aware of. She kind of blocks it. But right as we're talking about it and I was telling her not to mock it, she kind of fell back and like her arms went up. 
And I was like, dude, you look like you just got pushed. And she was like, yeah. And we were like, all right, time to go back inside. So we go back in the bar. They're dancing, they're drinking. And I'm just like keeping, you know, I'm keeping an eye on on my twin flame because I already know what's what's going on. And she knows that I know. So every time she looks at me, I just kind of look away. But I'm kind of just like watching her watching her movements. And we leave that bar and we're going to this last bar. And I already had this like really dark feeling that I did not want to go into this bar. And I don't even remember what the name of it was, like House of Erotica or something like that. But the windows were red. And there was these, like, silhouettes of women dancing in the windows. But I did not expect to walk into what I walked into. We walked into there, and it was walking into this hell dimension. I mean, it was, like, just so dark and red everywhere. All the workers were wearing these, um, like, devil horns. They had this girl tied up in, like, this bondage kind of thing and they were chaining people up and had different instruments to whip them like a whole table full of instruments I mean bamboo sticks leather whips chains um like things with little spiky things I don't even know just a whole table full of different things and looking around at everybody could just see the darkness in their eyes and I just remember feeling like oh my gosh I'm surrounded And I see them and I know that they see me and they know that I know. And I was just like, oh my, I'm outnumbered right now. What do you, what do you think the ideal place would be to kind of balance out your energy and stay away from these things? So for instance, it seems like, and again, you know, I have dark aesthetics all over the place. But I know there's also a balance, and I think I'm after all these years, I'm prepared to not allow any of this stuff to bring any darkness into my life. I don't, I don't let it absorb into my world at all. I can see it as a piece of artwork. But do you think a lot of people are susceptible to just like the Ouija board, right? Given to kids yeah. in a subtle way, they're excited about it. They think it's fun. Do you think any of those things? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so when you're attracted to some something that's dark, is that does that multiply the potential of these demonic energies to affect you? And again, I'm not speaking from a, a religious sense, a moral sense. I'm just trying to understand from the you know one of the people yourself who's who's immersed in this world and you're you're absorbing the information. Um, you know, I'm trying to get it through that channel. I'm trying to understand it. I think if you let it, yeah, it very much can take you down that dark path, you know, and you kind of have to find the light. You have to be the light, find the light within you to fight your way out of it. Because if not, you know, it could take you down a very dark path. Sure. And what, and like, what is a dark path? You know, where does it lead you into self-destruction or destruction of others? Yeah. Self-destruction, addiction, kind of, you know, every negative emotion you can think of put together, dealing, not dealing with pain, with the fear, jealousy, envy, hatred, greed. 
I mean, who knows, you know, some people jump off the deep end and, and don't make it out of it. Sure. A lot of people every day, yeah. you know? Yeah. Do you feel like your partner or your twin flame, your, you know, are you dealing with a battle right there for this person's soul, for their, for their light? You know, are they, are they fighting the darkness with you? Yeah, I think we're very much fighting together. And I, I feel like that's part of my purpose in her life right now is to be the light for her and show her that she doesn't have to let it win. She doesn't have to let it have control over her any longer because it doesn't. It only does because, you know, she is allowing it. It only it only has as much power as you give it. And the same thing here. Like, I am very aware of my own darkness, my own shadow, my own demons. And I I like the dark aesthetic too. I'm very much, I feel it's about balancing it, right? It's about like knowing your darkness, accepting it, but not letting it overcome you. Sure. Sure. It's a mindset, right? You know, you get into a place where you can recognize it. And there are certain things that are just too, you know, too far over the line. Um, well, how does it? How do you plan to deal with this and how does a person deal with it if, let's say, the darkness has moved in to a situation? What would you do to recommend, uh, or I'm sorry, what would you recommend to a person who's dealing with some horrible stuff in that realm? Um, first and foremost, know that you don't have to fight it alone. You can find your tribe and find light workers around you who will help you fight and help bring you out of that darkness and know that you're stronger and that your light will overpower it. And the only thing that is going to really help you snap out of it is love to find that love and support. Like even that night, you know, we were um, outside that bar and I remember I felt her shift back and it was when, her friend started hugging her and she like tapped her on the forehead and then I tapped her on the forehead and then our friend from work tapped her on the forehead. And right after that, I felt her shift back. And I was like, see, it, you know, it really is as easy as that finding your tribe and, you know, those people who are going to help guide your way out of it. So in other words, aligning yourself with good energy staying open to people that'll help pull you out, maybe people that recognize that are open-minded enough to understand that there's a lot more to our existence than the stuff we just do on a schedule every day. Yeah. It's like, you know, I've been saying recently, I feel like I'm living in multiple realities at the same time. Like this, I can tell you this timeline playing out in my 3D life. I can tell you this timeline playing out in my 4D life. Sometimes I'm in the 5D and that's that's really great and blissful. And then this whole like demonic dark experience is like 2D or, you know, lesser negative D, whatever, you know. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like this is just a personal battle that, a lot of people are going through right now and they just need to, it's their own dark, dark night of the soul. And the only one who is really going to be able to save them is themselves. And you, and you work with people to help them, right? 
Oh, yeah. A lot of the kids I work with, um, sometimes I feel is a little, a little bit deeper than just dealing with kids on the spectrum or, you know, with different disabilities, mental disabilities like that. What I usually do on the way out is I ask, you know, if, and I know, obviously you believe you do, and I do as well, if you were to retain your consciousness after physical death, what will you or would you take with you? Oh, everything. I believe we all have these soul contracts and we sign up for these experiences before we come here. Apparently, I just, you know, signed up for all the life lessons in one, I think. And also to just know that you have a whole army behind you, you know, not only physically when you do find your soul tribe and people who believe, but also your ancestors and your angels and your guides, you know, you're never alone, ever. Welcome back to Off to the Witch. I'm your host, Christopher Garitano, and I want to thank you for joining the conversation tonight. I often create a safe place for people who have extraordinary tales, without judgment and ridicule. There's much to learn from the dark side, and once understood, it can certainly lead to the road of healing. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight. <laughs>